Chapter Seventeen of Danny's Own Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis. Chapter Seventeen. We got to Bairdstown early enough, but we didn't go to work there. We wasted all that day. They was something workin' in the doctor's head he wasn't talkin' about. I suppose he was gettin' cold feet on the whole proposition. Anyhow, he just set around the little tavern in that place and done nothing all afternoon. The weather was fine, and we set out in front. We hadn't set there more'n an hour till I could tell we was being noticed by the blacks, not out open and above board. But every now and then one or two or three would pass along down the street and lazy about and take a look at us. They pretended they wasn't noticing, but they was. The word had got around, and there was a feeling in the air I didn't like at all. Too much caged-up excitement among the niggers. The doctor felt it, too. I could see that. But neither one of us said anything about it to the other. Along toward dusk we takes a walk. There was a good-sized crick at the edge of that little place, and on it an old-fashioned water-mill. Above the mill a little piece was a bridge. We crossed it and walked along a road that followed the crick bank close to for quite a spell. It wasn't much of a town, something betwixt a village and a settlement, although they was going to run a branch of the railroad over to it before very long. It had had a chance to get a railroad once, years before that, but it had said then it didn't want no railroad, so until lately every branch built through that part of the country grinned very sarcastic and give it the go-by. There was considerable woods standing along the creek, and around a turn in the road we come unto Sam, all of a sudden, talking with another nigger. Sam was just a layin' it off to that nigger, but he kind of hushed as we come nearer. Down the road quite a little piece was a good-sized wooden building that had never been painted and looked like it was a big barn. Without knowing it, the doctor and me had been pintin' ourselves right toward Big Bethel. The nigger with Sam he yells out when he sees us, Glory be! Hey a day comes! Hey a day comes now! And he throwed up his arms and started on a lope up the road toward the church, singing out every ten or fifteen yards. A little knotted niggers come out in front of the church when they hearin' him comin'. Sam, he stood his ground, and waited for us to come up to him, kind of apologetic and sneaking, looking about something or other. "'What kind of lies have you been telling these niggers, Sam?' says the doctor, very sharp and short and mad-like. Sam, he digs a stone out in the road with the toe of his shoe, kind of grins to himself, still looking sheepish. But he says he opinionates he's been telling them nothing at all. "'I don't know how comes they get all them nigger notions in de fool head,' Sam says. "'But they all waitin' dar inside the church, though.' Some of the most faithful and the most prayerful ones o' the big Bethel congregation been there for the last hour, a waitin' and a watchin', spite of the fact that regular meetin' ain't goin' to be called till after supper. De bishop he dar too. They got some of these high colile lamps dar does inside the church dough night times for two days now, cause they say they ain't goin' to for to be cotched to nappin' when de bridegroom cometh. Yes, sir. Dey's ten o' these higher virgins there, five of em sleepin' and five of em watchin', and takin' turns at hit, and maybe dat how come free o' four de best young colored men's been projickin' round dar all arternoon, a helpin' dem dat's a-waitin' till de bridegroom cometh. We seen a little knot of them, down the road, there in the front of the church, gatherin' round the nigger that had been with Sam. They all starts towards us. But one man steps out in front of them all, and turns toward them, and holds his hands up, and waves them back they all stops in their tracks then he turns his face towards us and comes slow and solemn down the road in our direction walking with a cane and moving very dignified he was a couple of hundred yards away but as he came closer we gradually seen him plainer and plainer 
he was a big man and stout and dressed very neat in the same kind of rig as white bishops wear with one of these white collars that buttons in the back i suppose he was coming on to meet us alone because no one was fitten for to give us the first welcome but himself well it was all durn foolishness and it was hard to believe it, it could all happen and there ain't so many places in this here country it could happen but for all of it being foolishness when he come down the road toward us so dignified and solemn and slow i ketched myself for a minute feeling like we really had been elected to something and was going to take office soon and sam as the bishop came closer and closer got to jerkin and twitchin with the excitement that he had been keepin in and yet all the time sam knowed it was dope and works and not faith that had made him spotted that away. he stops the bishop does about ten yards from us and looks over i owed a gentleman known to this here sinful generation by the style and the entitlement o dr hotly kirby he asked the doctor very ceremonious and grand the doctor gave him a look that wasn't very encouraging, but he nodded to him. Will you dismiss your servant in order that we can hold converse and communion in the midst of your privacy? The doctor, he nods to Sam, and Sam moseys along toward the church. Now then, says the doctor, sudden and sharp, take off your hat and tell me what you want. The bishop's hand goes up to his head with a jerk before he thought. Then it stops there while him and the doctor looks at each other. The bishop's mouth opens like he was wondering, but he slowly pulls his hat off and stands there bareheaded in the road. But he wasn't really humble, that bishop. Now, says the doctor, tell me, in as straight talk as you've got, what all this damned foolishness among you niggers means. A queer kind of look passed over the bishop's face. He hadn't been expectin' to be met just that way, maybe. Whether he himself had really believed in the coming of that there new messiah he had been predictin'. I never could settle my mind. Maybe he had been getting ready to pass himself off for one before we come along and the niggers got all the fool idea Dr. Kirby was it. Before the bishop spoke again you could see his craziness and his cunningness both working in his face. But when he did speak he didn't quit being ceremonious nor dignified. The word has gone forth among the faithful and the pure in heart, he says, that a man has come accredited with signs and with marvels and the power of the spirit for to lay his hands on the son of ham and to make them just the same in color as your sons of earth then that word is a lie says the doctor i did come here to try out some stuff to change the color of negro skins that's all and i find your idiotic followers are all stirred up and waiting for some kind of miracle monger what you have been preaching to them you know best is that all you want to know the bishop hems and haws and fiddles with his stick, and then he says, Sir, will dish your preparation surely do the work? Dr. Kirby tells him it will do the work all right. And then the bishop, after beating around the bush some more, comes out with his idea. Whether he expected there would be any messiah come or not, of course he knowed the doctor wasn't him. But he is willing to boost the doctor's game as long as it boosts his game. He wants to be in on the deal. He wants part of the graft. He wants to get together with the doctor on a plan before the doctor sees the niggers, and if the doctor don't want to keep on with the miracle end of it, the bishop shows him how he could do him good with no miracle attachment, for he has an awful holt on them niggers, and his say-so will sell thousands and thousands of bottles. What he is looking for just now is his little take-out. That was his craftiness and his cunningness working in him. But all of the sudden one of his crazy streaks came bulging to the surface. It come with a wild, eager look in his eyes sir he cries out all of a sudden if you can make me white for god's sakes do it do it if you does i goin to bless you all your days you don't know no one can guess or comprehend 
what this being white would mean to me laud laud he says his voice soft-spoken but more eager than ever as he went on and pleading something pitiful to hear just think of all the caucasian blood in me god knows the nights of my youth i's lad awake twill the dawn come in red in the east a crying out to him to only for to be white just to be white don't mind dem black black niggers dar don't think er dem they ain't worth nothing nor fitten for no fate but what they got but me what's done kept me from going to the top but that one thing i wasn't white it air too late now too late for dem ambitions i done trifle with and shove behind me it's too late for dat but if i was just to get one little year o it one little year o being white before i died and he went on like that shaking and stuttering there in the road like a fit had struck him crazy as a loon but he got hold of himself enough to quit talking in a minute and his cunning came back to him before he was through trembling then the doctor says slow and even but not severe you go back to your people now bishop and tell them they've made a mistake about me and if you can undo the harm you've done with this messiah business as far as this stuff of mine is concerned there's none of it for you nor for any other negro you tell them that there's none of it been sold yet and there never will be then we turned away and left him standing there in the road still with his hat off and his face working walking back toward the little tavern the doctor says danny this is the end of the game these people down here and that half-cracked half-crooked old bishop have made me see a few things about the afro-american brother it wasn't a good scheme in the first place and this wasn't the place to start it going anyhow i should have tried the niggers in the big towns but i'm out of it now and i'm glad of it what we want to do is to get away from here tomorrow go back to atlanta and fix up a scheme to rob some widows and orphans or something halfway respectable like that well i drew a long breath I was with Dr. Kirby and everything he done, for he was my friend, and I didn't intend to quit him. But I was glad we was out of this, and hadn't sold none of that dope. We both felt better because we hadn't. All them millions we was going to make? Shucks. We didn't neither one of us give a dern about them getting away from us. All we wanted was just to get away from there and not get mixed up with no nigger problems any more. We eat supper, and we sit around a while, and we went to bed pretty middlin' early, so as to get a good start in the morning. We got up early but early as it was the devil had been up earlier in that neighborhood about four o'clock that morning a white woman about a half a mile from the village had been attacked by a nigger there was doubt as to whether she would live but if she lived there wasn't no doubt she would always be more or less crazy for besides everything else he had beat her insensible and he had choked her nearly to death the countryside was up with guns and pistols looking for that nigger it wasn't no trouble guessing what would happen to him when they catched him neither and says dr kirby when we heard of it i hope to high heaven they do catch him there wasn't much doubt they would either they was already beatin up the woods and bushes and gangs was ridin up and down the roads and every nigger's house for miles was bein searched and watched we soon seen we would have trouble gettin hosses and a rig in the village to take us to the railroad many of the hosses was bein ridden in the manhunt and most of the men who might have done the drivin was busy at that too the hotel keeper himself had left his place standin wide open and went out we didn't get any breakfast neither danny says the doctor We'll just put enough money to pay the bill in an envelope on the register here and strike out on shank ponies. It's only nine or ten miles to the railroad. We'll walk. But how about our stuff? I asked him. We had two big cases full of sample bottles of that dope, besides our suitcases. Hang the dope, says the doctor. I don't ever want to see it or hear of it again. We'll leave it here. Put the things out of your suitcase into mine and leave that here, too. Sam can carry mine. I want to be on the move. So we left with Sam carrying the one suitcase. It wasn't nine in the morning yet, and we was starting out pretty empty for a long walk. 
sam says the doctor as we was passing that there big bethel church and it showed up there silent and shabby in the morning like a old colored man that knows a heap more'n he's going to tell sam were you at that meeting here last night yes sir i suppose it was a pretty tame affair after they found out their elisha wasn't coming after all sam he walled his eyes and then he kind of chuckled well sir he says i spicions de most on of em don't know dat yet the doctor asks him what he means it seems the bishop must have done some thinking after we left him in the road or on his way back to that church they had all begun to believe that their elisha was on their way to them and the bishop's credit was more or less wrapped up with our being it it was true he hadn't started that belief but it was believed and he didn't dare to stop it now for if he stopped it they would all think he had fell down on his prophetics even although he hadn't prophesied just exactly us he was in a tight place that bishop and i bet you could always depend on him to get out of it with his flock so what he told them niggers at the meeting last night was that he brung em a message from elisha sam says that elisha was to come and the message was that the time was not ripe for him to reveal himself as elisha unto the eyes of all men for they had been too much sinfulness and wickedness in walking into the ways of evil right amongst that very congregation and disobedience of the bishop which was their guide and he had sent him word elisha had that the bishop was his trusted servant and into the keeping of the bishop was give the power to deal with his people and prepare them for the great day to come and the bishop would give the word of his coming he was a box that bishop was if in spite of his crazy streaks and he had found a way to make himself stronger than ever with his bunch out of the very kind of thing that would have spoiled most people's graft they had had a big meeting till nearly morning and the power had hit him strong sam told us all about it but the thing that seemed to interest the doctor and made him frown was the idea that all them niggers round about there still had the idea he was the feller that had been prophesied to come all except sam maybe sam had spells when he was real sensible and other spells when he was as bad as the believingest of them all it was a fine day and really joyous to be a walkin it would have been a good deal joyouser if we had had some breakfast but we figured we would stop somewheres at noon and lay in a good square country meal that wasn't such a very thick settled country but everybody seemed to know about the manhunt that was going on here there and everywhere people would come down to the roadside as we passed and gazed after us or maybe asked us if we had known whether he had been catched yet women and kids mostly or old men but now and then a younger man too we noticed they wasn't no niggers to speak of that wasn't busier and all get out working at something or other that day they is a considerable woods in that country yet though lots has been cut off but they was sometimes right long stretches where they would be woods on both sides of the road more or less thick with underbrush between the trees we tramped along each busy thinking his own thoughts and having a purty good time just doing that without there being no use of talking i was thinking that i liked the doctor better for turning his back on all this game just when he might have made some sort of deal with the bishop and really made some money out of it in the end he was never so good a business man as he thought he was dr kirby wasn't he always could make himself think he was but when it came right down to brass tacks he wasn't you give him a scheme that would talk well the kind of a josh talk he liked to get off for his own enjoyment and he would take up with it every time instead of one that had more promise of money to it if it was worked harder he was thinking of the talk more'n he was of the money mostly and he was always saying something about art for art's sake which was a plum foolishness for he never painted no pictures well he never got over being more or less of a puzzle to me but for some reason or other this morning he seemed to be in a better humor with himself after we had walked a while than i had seen him in for a long time we come to the top of one long hill which it had made us sweat to climb and without saying nothing to each other we both stopped and took off our hats and wiped our foreheads and drawed long breaths content to stand there for just a minute or two and look around us 
the road run straight ahead and dipped down and then clumb up another hill about an eighth of a mile in front of us it made a little valley just about the middle between the two hills a crick meandered through the bottom land woods growed along the crick and along both sides of the road we was travelling right nigh the crick they was another road come out of the wood to the left-hand side and switched into the road we was travelling and used the same bridge across the crick by they was three or four houses here and there with chimbleys built up on the outside of them and blue smoke coming out we stood and looked at the sight before us and forgot all the troubles we had left behind for a couple minutes it all looked so peaceful and quiet and homified and nice well says the doctor after we had stood there a piece i guess we better be moving on again danny but just as sam who was following along behind with that suitcase picks it up and puts it on his head again they come a sound from away off in the distance somewhere that made him set it down quick and we all stops in our tracks and looks at each other it was the voice of a hound dog not so awful loud but clear and mellow and tuneful and it carried to us on the wind and then in a minute it come again sharper and quicker they yells like that when they have struck a scent as we have stood and looked at each other they come a crackle in the underbrush just to the left of us we turned our heads that away just as a nigger man gave leap to the top of the rail fence that separated the road from the woods he was going so fast that instead of climbing the fence and balancing on top and jumping off he simply seemed to hit the top rail and bounce on over like he had been thrown out of the heart of the woods and he fell sprawling over and over in the road right before our feet he was on to his feet in a second and for a minute he stood up straight and looked at us an ashes-colored nigger ragged and bleeding from the underbrush red-eyed and with slavers trickling from his red lips and sobbing and gasping and panting for breath under his brown skin where his shirt was torn open across his chest you could see that nigger's heart a beatin but as he looked at us they come a sudden change across his face he must have seen the doctor before and with a sob he throwed himself on his knees in the road and clasped his hands and held him out toward dr kirby elisha elisha he sings out rocking of his body in a kind of a tomb reveal yourself reveal yourself and help me now lord god elisha beckon for the chariot your chariot of fire lift me lift me lift me away from here in your chariot of fire the doctor he turned his head away and i knowed the thought working in him was the thought of that white woman that would always be an idiot for life if she lived but his lips was dumb as one hand stretched itself out toward that nigger in the road and made a wiping motion like he was trying for to wipe the picture of him and the thought of him often a slate forevermore just then nearer and louder and sharper and with an eager sound like they knowed they almost had him now them hounds voices come ringing through the woods and with them come the mixed-up shouts of men run yells sam waving of that suitcase round his head for one nigger will always try to help another no matter what he's done run for the branch get your foots in the water and fling em off the scent he bounded down the hill that red-eyed nigger and left us standing there but before he reached the quick the whole manhunt came busting through the woods the dogs a straining at their straps the men was all on foot with guns and pistols in their hands they seen the nigger and they all let out a yell and was after him they catched him at the crick and took him off along the road that turned off to the left i heard later he was a member of bishop warren's congregation so they hung him right in front of the big bethel church we stood there on top of the hill and saw the chase and capture dr kirby's face was sweating worse than when we first clumbed the hill he was thinking about that nigger that had pleaded with him he was thinking also of the woman he was glad it hadn't been up to him personal right then and there to butt in and stop a lynching he was glad for with them two pictures in front of him he didn't know what he would have done thank heaven i heard him say to himself thank heaven that it wasn't really in my power to choose end of chapter seventeen